And I want to define that enemy. They are liberal. The socialist agenda. They are progressives. A vile liberal agenda. They are Che Guevarians. They are Castroites. Tyranny. The radical left. Trotskyites. Maoists, Stalinists, Leninists, Marxists. Out of touch liberal elite. They're all our enemies. Who'd I leave out? He was living in a single room with three other individuals. One of them was a male and the other two, well, the other two were females. God only knows what they were up to in there. And furthermore, Susan, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to learn that all four of them habitually smoke marijuana cigarettes. Reefers. Welcome to the Urban Underachiever Radio Program. My name is Brandon Walker, and I'm here with the lovely and talented Stephanie Casey. Mm-hmm. How are you, Steph? Doing all right. Awesome. Brent's not with us tonight, but in honor of our 20th episode, we have a very special guest with us tonight. This is Dan Brown, and Dan is the assistant director of the DFW chapter of Normal. And if you're wondering what Normal is, Normal is the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Uh, So Dan's big time, and we're really excited to have you here. Thanks for for coming out, Dan. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about kind of your role in the Normal organization. Uh, What do you specifically do in that organization here in Dallas? Well, I'm the assistant director of the organization, and that means generally that I kind of oversee day-to-day, week-to-week functions of the organization, interface with the other members, and so on, actively recruit, promote the organization, promote the reform of law here in in North Texas, uh, lobby our local representatives and senators within the state and federally, uh, just try to to get them to understand that our presence here in texas is kind of underrepresented there's a lot of uh closet stoners if you will right and mm-hmm. their voices don't get hurt so our job is basically to be their voice to stand up and say hey te- north texans smoke marijuana it exists we're we're here we're just hiding because you know we don't want to lose our freedoms right. sure so do you guys i think probably the perception of a, a meeting of normal would be a bunch of people just sitting around smoking out hanging out do you guys get business done like do you have you have real offices and a real agenda and real computers and stuff <laughs> well, at, or what at this point computers. Our, do you have computers well at this point our organization looking up youtube videos you know <laughs> no doubt uh no honestly our organization is is a bunch of volunteers so we don't have a formal offices in that sense we do have a p.o box and we do do have our uh texas state incorporation as a non-profit 501c4 organization uh we do we are a very professional organization in contrast to what a lot of people think of normal uh, Normal's been around for 32 years. It's a, it's a long running organization. There's a lot of uh, misconceptions, a lot of ideas that, that there's you know a bunch of slackers that do nothing but smoke pot, which like you said. Sure. Uh, in reality, our meetings are formal. We we you know they're family oriented. We have lots of kids that come come to the meetings and so on. What do you uh, we kids? sit down uh, from one year old to okay. eight, nine, ten. So yeah, so they're not they're yeah, not all just passing like a bunch of teenagers. No. <laughs> no, I mean. Just, you know, people's children, uh-huh. and, you know, they're young professional adults and so on. They're coming to actually be, you know, activists and reform the law. And because What do you have meetings about? I mean, what are the... Well, we, we generally went through, uh, you know, same sort of uh, Robert's Rules of Order, you know, old business, new business, uh, officer reports, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. What have the officers done since the last meeting? What are the various topics that we've talked about at the last meeting that need addressing? And what are the new topics that other members bring up at the meeting that we need to address? Uh, one of the things we have on the table right now... Uh, having just finished our big springtime uh, push that culminated with the Worldwide Marijuana March, uh, our big push right now is to get uh, one of the sponsor of street signs, 
We're looking for a good mm, highway sign nice. that's available where we go out and pick up trash four oh, times a great. year and have some promotion up. Maybe get two or three of them if we could and, and organize quarterly out <laughs> events to go pick up trash on the side of the road. Have you seen some opposition to that or have you? Uh, no opposition whatsoever. It's more like people don't even know we exist mm-hmm. until we, we raise our heads. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't filled out the, the application paperwork for that yet. As soon as we do, we may get a call from the secretary of state or whoever oversees that saying, you know, we just don't think we agree with that the 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 idea behind that. It's sign. a slippery slope, though. If you're if you're a nonprofit and you're, exactly. you know, they can't really do that because then you could say, well, this company offends me. Why do they get a sign? Well, and an example <laughs> is Oklahoma Normal has already done this exact same concept yeah. and it has adopted roads on uh, highway segments on US seventy five. Really? So, so if you go if you're traveling through Oklahoma on seventy five, you could see signs that say this stretch of highway adopt a highway or whatever in Oklahoma. By Oklahoma Normal. Yep. That's awesome. That's wow. It says OK Normal. It's good advertising. Absolutely. And it's great for the environment, yeah. some giving Doing back to the community and sure. so on. So people, I guess at that point, if people don't know what it means, they go and they could Google it really quickly and, and, and find information. Or just when it. they well, are exposed to it, they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of them. Well, my goal is to get our actual logo up there instead of just a text yeah. line. And our logo would have our website address at the bottom nice. of it. And that... That would help some for recruiting, basically, I think. Get mm-hmm. people the idea that we're not just, like you said, a bunch of slacker stoners. We're actually activists. Well, okay, this is, you know, Texas, I lived on the West Coast for almost 10 years. And obviously, it's we know it's the laws are much more lax there. They're not going to get, you know, thrown into jail if a cop finds a little weed in your car or whatever. Um, probably won't even get anything. And so, in Texas, I feel like it's still that. Where So, how do you... How do you how are you active and recruit without saying, you know, without getting in trouble? <laughs> well, there's nothing illegal. Constitution, constitutionally protected right to peacefully protest the laws. Mm-hmm. We are in a, a nonprofit group assembled to change the law. Mm-hmm. So we don't allow smoking in our meetings. We aren't okay. actively disobe- disobedient of the law. Uh, at, for instance, at a Worldwide Marijuana March, the sergeant of the police that was there, Dallas Police Department, you guys aren't planning to light up at the end of this thing in a mass protest, right? They really said that? They really came up wow. and asked me that question. I said, dude, we don't want to go this to jail. This is Berkeley, yeah. man. We're, we're yeah. not here to, dis- to be disobedient. We're here to protest and attempt to change the law so that you guys aren't out here having to monitor right. a bunch of people to make sure we don't light up, which is why they were there. What was what was their response when they, they saw that you were a, a law-abiding organization, that you were really not doing anything illegal? Were they, did they seem to be surprised when you were doing most of them kind of had a tolerant kind of smirk going on the oh, whole really? day. They, well, they, they smoke weed. I mean, some of them have in the past. Yeah. A lot of them, most of them, and I'll be honest with you, most officers don't care what the law says. They're just doing their job. Mm-hmm. And once you realize right. that, once you get past the, the individual officer that's got a chip on her shoulder or whatever, they're just out there to, to do their job and protect us. So you guys they, aren't anti-police. You're not, not anti- in any way. Right. Hell, uh, our uh, treasurer is a member of LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Nice. So he's an actually retired Navy officer, intelligence officer, who was part of the war oh, on drugs. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, I've talked a little bit with Larry. Nice. So Larry was actually in Guatemala and Panama as part of the, the counter narco counterterrorism group that was actually prosecuting the war on drugs in the 80s. Wow. And so he's a member of LEAP now and is doing speaking on their behalf. So we're we love cops. We we my goal I I break no laws. No laws in this country other than occasional speeding and possession of marijuana. <laughs> if wow. I could get past that law, I would speeding would be it. I'd yeah. be glad to not speed. I think one thing that everybody could agree on is that cannabis users are not the violent type. No. <laughs> they, they don't they don't tend to be the type that goes out and roughs people up Robs, and uh, yeah, steals. yeah. Yeah, they, they just—it's almost just like a, a culture of 
I don't want to say Chilling peace out. and love, but I mean, really, when you think about it, that's usually the kind of the way it is. Really, well, that is the mentality at Fosters. And I'll, I'll say this: the real harm that, that comes to mar- from marijuana these days is not in usage of marijuana; it's in the penalties that come from being mm-hmm. caught using marijuana or in possession of marijuana. You lose your student loans. You can lose your job. In Texas, arrested, you go to jail overnight. Yeah. They'll release you on your own recognizance in the morning. You don't have to post bail. But it's 800 to to $1,000 out of pocket in fines, plus, you know, uh, drug educator classes and all this stuff. And you're, they call your employer. That only make most people in Texas lose their job. And yeah. it goes on your permanent record, yes. which would be could And it probably just says you. drugs. It probably doesn't even say exactly. that's doesn't so specify. bad. And so because of all these, these penalties that come along with it, the impact of people's lives is devastating. Yeah. People lose everything, lose their homes, lose their livelihoods over possession of a, of a naturally occurring plant. Sure. And so that's, that's really where that's the harm comes. It's very non-threatening, the behavior it causes, well, and when, compared this to so is many it. things. When you realize that of 870,000 drug arrests that were made last year, over 60% of those, or almost 600,000, were made for marijuana only. Wow. Cannabis only. Okay? So that's the majority of drug arrests. It's over 60%. So that's, that's the majority, for sure. And that is more marijuana-only arrests than there were violent criminal arrests in the, in the United States last year. Are those arrests for possession or those arrests for distribution or whatever the there's no real line between possession and distribution oh, okay uh in the way the stats are collected uh it's marijuana related what i'm asking is th- those aren't what you would call dealers as opposed to the average user what would you say there's there's no granularity of that for the statistics but what would you that, what, what what's your gut feeling on that is it's it, about 10 percent. 10 percent of what 10 percent of dealers. the arrestees are dealers so, so th- what you're saying is the vast majority of people that are being arrested are just people that are that happen to be smoking marijuana. They're not selling. They're not uh, smuggling. They're not carrying guns. They're not doing that. They're just smoking a plant. Basically. Over over five hundred thousand Americans a year arrested just for possession. Ugh. That's it. Just it would suck. Like I fear that, and I mean I'm scared of the cops here. You know, just because of what you said, and for something like that, I mean. I would, that would just be devastating to me, and infuriating. A lot of people that, particularly people that listen to the show that know me personally, I'm not a stoner. I'm not some guy sitting around advocating for the sake of, of my own personal use or whatever. I see this as an absolute civil rights issue. Well, you should only be arrested for things when you're doing something that is a threat to society. And smoking weed is not a threat to society. Well, let's let's break this down a little bit. And I kind of gave Dan a heads up on this, so he's had a little time. But I'm sure this is something he thinks about often. And that is the, the perceptions about cannabis use or, or, or mythology surrounding cannabis use in the United States particularly. Um, what are a couple of myths that you believe are out there that, that really don't have a basis in reality that, that for some reason people in general tend to believe that aren't true? Well, um, we'll start with my favorite. One, uh, my favorite is impaired driving. Ah, People routinely one. equate marijuana use impairment to the same impairment that's caused by alcohol uh, imbibing. I heard I had somebody on uh, Facebook the other day saying that exact thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I'd rather have people out driving drunk than people smoking weed driving around. So, yeah, continue on that. Well, and it's statistically proven that people who do uh, partake of marijuana are statistically more likely to injure themselves. That is you know, proven, sixty percent more likely. Okay, huh. so it's a fact that people who are intoxicated with marijuana are more clumsy. Those statistics are much, much more higher for alcohol, right? But for impairment while operating a vehicle, 
the, the, the data has been shown in studies for marijuana that it doesn't impair reaction time. It actually improves reaction time by decreasing the amount of cognitive processing that happens from the time you receive you know, <laughs> awareness of the event to the time you respond to it. Your instincts take over. And for driving, that's exactly what you want. You don't want to have time to panic about the bucket you just saw in the middle of the road. You want to swerve and dodge it. But sure. really, in theory, for the sake of society, it has to be you're not supposed to, you know, be very stoned or very drunk. Well, and this is it. It's, it's, a, it's a question of amount. In right. blood alcohol level, we have a 0.08 mm-hmm. percentage level that's allowable to operate at in the state of right. Texas. Some states have zero tolerance. There is no equivalent for marijuana, and there's no possibility to have mm-hmm. one. What you have instead is the same sobriety test that suffices now for every other type of prescription drug and so on, right. where the officer is capable of judging your reaction time and ability to respond mm-hmm. to questions and so on, interrogation on the side of the road. And if you can't pass that test, then you're not fit to operate. Right. But cor- correct me if I'm wrong here, Dan, but from what I understand, there is nobody that's advocating legalizing driving under the influence of marijuana from what i understand right that that the people that are proposing legalization are proposing that it be under the same restrictions that you just mentioned that if you're driving under the impairment uh of of marijuana that it's just as illegal and the the fines would be the same as if you were driving drunk is that kind of the the, the understanding well that's the assumption but again the enforcement mechanism is the question with alcohol you have a clear indicator with blood alcohol concentration that dictates when you are at a level of impairment Mm -hmm. and it varies by body weight if i drink four beers my blood alcohol level will be less than someone who does like stephanie here who drinks the same four beers uh and the same is not true for marijuana it affects people differently in a different way and the national highway transportation agency safety agency has done no studies on its how it impacts the individual without those studies and without some sort Mm -hmm. of of barometer for the intoxication level the person's undergoing the only suitable measure is a roadside inebriation test to see if you're so what's your solution what what do you think should be implemented there? exactly what is today how do they tell if you're driving drugged today they pull you over and have you walk a line on the side of the road right. recite the abcs backwards and touch your nose fingers to your nose and do they really do the abcs backwards yes because i can no way possible do yeah, that i sober. can't do that in any <laughs> it has nothing to do with your ability to do it it's how you act while you're while doing, you're doing oh, like it, if you sure. get laugh or like it yeah yeah i mean if you're on if you just took two ambience and you're out driving around or, or, or biking in or, right. you know they're seeing if you can concentrate yeah. stay on stay focus focused. stay stay right. on task realize that it's a Damn, it's i've a, never actually discussed that with someone and like known like that of course makes total sense well part of it is knowing that it's a significant situation right when you're intoxicated right. you, you're the the severity the gravity of the situation right. isn't the same and so yeah. the officer is going to recognize that from the way you're giggling as uh-huh. you're trying to say them backwards i mean people make mistakes they're not they don't ask you to walk a 30 foot straight line right. and not not w- waver from the line at all they're right. not checking your balance they're checking your intoxication level. Right, mm-hmm. and, the, and the other signs that go along. Exactly. It's funny that you brought this up because I, I kind of did an informal experiment a few years ago with this where I was sitting around playing uh, Xbox or something with some friends, and I said, okay, well, let's, let's do an experiment to see uh, your levels of impairment uh, versus your skill in the game. And we, did, we picked the driving game, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know... Uh, I don't even remember what it was. One of those Gran those Turismo or yeah, something like G- that. It was like GT is Gran Turismo, something like that, where it's a really uh, intensive driving type of situation. Right. And I said, okay, let's do it sober. We did it sober. Then I said, okay, you guys, you know, two of you, or, or actually we did it on separate days. A couple of you have, you know, four or five drinks, play the game. Let's see what your score is. You know, a couple of you do the same under the same experiment, except under uh, the influence of cannabis. And invariably, everybody did better obviously sober 
Some people, though, did better even under cannabis, but nobody did better under alcohol, uh, the influence of alcohol. In fact, it was probably 20, 30, 40 percent at times uh, less reaction time. So it makes sense. It it, it jives with what you're saying there. And that follows my anecdotal experience directly. (laughs) Tell you honestly. As a video game enthusiast yourself or as on the roads, knowing people who smoke, knowing people who smoke marijuana versus those who drive drunk. And I know I have many friends who think it's nothing to go to a bar and have five or six drinks and then drive the, you know, Mm -hmm. four, three or four miles to their house. Sure. And the same for smokers. They go to their friend's house and smoke a couple bowls and then drive home. Mm -hmm. Uh, how about another uh, another myth? Something that people are kind of you, something maybe something that people are using as a counter to the idea of legalization. Well, uh, one is that marijuana does not. No one in America gets arrested for marijuana. That's so one people of the say that biggest. The drug former drug czar Gil Kerlikowski said that while in office. Okay, he said no one in America gets arrested for marijuana. The drug czar, the DEA. The head of the DEA says this, okay? How could he say that when you, you just said half a million people are being arrested or more? Because he doesn't know the truth. Because he's following, he's listening to what they're saying, which is that marijuana is a low-level, low-enforcement uh, crime, when in reality, police departments across the U.S. are using it as a revenue generator. Mm-hmm. It's worth a couple thousand dollars mm-hmm. per, per arrest to come into their pockets. It keeps them busy for a couple hours. There's not that much violent crime in America. Crime rates are going mm-hmm. down continuously over time. Since the 80s has dropped precipitously with crack sentencing laws that went up, the crime rates have come down significantly. And what are they going to do? They're going to sit around and look for something to justify having this many police officers on the force. And that's bust the simplest, easy, easiest, most nonviolent. You know, you're not going to get your butt you're, you're kicked by a pothead that you're arresting when in reality you're going to get your butt kicked by the, drug, uh, the drunk that you're arresting. You know? So let's, let's, let's look at who benefits from the continued prohibition of marijuana most obviously to me it's the pharmaceutical industry and then close behind that i would say the alcohol industry um and and then maybe third would be legal stuff yeah exactly uh, law enforcement here's a really great great indicator for who benefits directly from drug legalization or who who would not who benefits from being illegal basically Mm -hmm. Uh, the partner for, Partnership for a Drug-Free America. You heard of them? Sure. They're the folks see the commercials. The, the, the commercial, the, though. You, this, this is your, your brain, brain on drugs. Sure. Yeah, that's them. Brilliant commercial, actually. Brilliant yeah. commercial paid for by Philip Morris. No doubt. <laughs> paid for directly by Philip Morris. So that a, was their the biggest c- sponsor a in 1984. sponsored that, com- that, that yes. campaign? Yes. I didn't know that. And so it wasn't until, I think, 2001 <laughs> or, or, I'm sorry, maybe 1998, when they actually stopped taking money from tobacco companies. And I think tobacco and alcohol. Possibly. I'm not sure if that for sure. Uh, but right now, their biggest contributors are GlaxoSmithKline, uh, <laughs> Altria, right. so, so a drug company. Yeah. You yeah. start list, If you look at their contributors, it's them, and then you get into to Kraft. You get into all of the huge uh, food service corporations. Oh. It seems like food service would be on board with it. You would think <laughs> Frito-Lay, PepsiCo yeah. oh, would be all about it, right? Yeah. And yet they're signed on to Partnership for Drug Free America because it allows them to say, we're uh, a member of this. So it's and a PR them, thing. It's not a product. It's very wholesome uh, to appeal to, to America's youth to say, hey, we're all about Drug Free America. Wow, don't you think that's going to change when when legalization does happen, that there's going to be food companies that are like, wait, now, see, we're, we're, the, we're the choice for munchies everywhere. Like well, they'll, they'll definitely stop participating in, in PDFA, but that doesn't mean they're going to endorse the product. Well, they will if there's a bunch of money to be made and it's legal. Well, yes and no. I think I think Philip Morris would. I think the, the companies like that, I think Philip Morris has become Altria and they're you know diversified and all this sort of thing. Uh, R.J. Reynolds, 
or was RJR America or whatever now, mm-hmm. uh, they'll definitely get into it. But I think alcohol companies, no, not so much. Yeah, they'll they'll see it as a competitor to their business. Right. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. Uh, food snack food companies they'll refrain from it at all unless they actually launch a separate product line that caters toward that market. That's the only way they address it. I think they'll just do it, but not in an obvious way. They're just going to, like, have those types of characters without, like, showing them doing definitely that. So, like, in a court of law, you couldn't prove it, but they know. I mean, they know the market to. No doubt. Like, the way Harold and and Kumar, you never actually see them smoke smoke pot or whatever. Or was that, and and there's a couple of movies where they're complete stoner movies. You never actually see them smoke a joint. Mm -hmm. Wow. So. What's uh, what, what's your thoughts on California? And I and I say that because uh, I have sort of a running bet going on the show that uh, my prediction is that cannabis will be essentially legalized in California by the end of 2010. And a few weeks ago, when they announced that on this ballot in in November, that that's actually going to be on the ballot, not not just for medical purposes, but for uh, small possession well, for medical. Right. Uh, so you so for? you had the bet before the yeah the before, ballot here before. So I'm now still holding on to it. I'm no, that's that's a that's a good bet to have made. Then would you uh, would you throw your money in with me or with those that that say it's not going to happen in right November? now? You and I would be. I'd be on the money with you. Excellent. Good, good. Uh, and this is... Why do you I, think so? Well, I'll tell you. I saw an article the other day. We said, is legal is marijuana legalization in California eight months away? And I just about flipped my lid. I'm ready to move because I'm ready to not have to worry about, you know, Big Brother sitting on my shoulder But you time. didn't... I mean, seriously, on the West Coast, uh, for the entire time I lived there, it was mm-hmm. never... No, it's never problem. an issue. I mean, you can I, walk down the street. You can be in a park. I mean, oh, there's, yeah. there's, you know, even before it was, a, it's going to be officially legal... They it is and it isn't, and this is it. It's, it's lax enforcement. It's yet another thing that could be used against mm-hmm. you if an officer decided to take interest in yeah. you. But I absolutely see in California right now that there's this massive. It's not. It's just a, a wave of stop spending our money. That's all it is. It's not. It's not necessarily freedoms. They don't want more freedoms. They're not chasing. Uh, you know, any of these 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 ideals. They're just trying to stop spending money on a, in a state that's going bankrupt. Well, sure. and it's also going to obviously create a bunch of revenue. Well, that's it. It's, saying it's supposed to be over a $3 billion swing in revenue for the state, let, uh, almost a billion dollars in enforcement costs that disappear, and a $2 billion tax uh, revenue increase. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, let me Plus ask you tourism. this. tourism. I mean, think of the tourism. I this mean, is something I've be... never had anybody explain to me. Yeah, tourism. Um, Will it be a sort of a retro? I'm just not conversant enough to know. Is it going to be a retroactively uh, sort of legitimizing law? In other words, if let's say Can in 2000, get out of jail? right? Is <laughs> it, it, will this allow you to get out of jail if you're in or like strike the thing? The law jail for not. marijuana crimes. The okay. So the, the way the law works, right? It does not vacate crimes retroactively. Okay, there isn't, that's, that's a good answer. So yeah. if you're convicted of a crime. When the crime, when the thing is illegal, sure. the, the sentence stands because it was illegal at the time the sentence was passed. That, right? ma- that, makes, that makes sense, sense. Now, from a legal point of view. But people I mean, would you know. know. I mean, if you tell them. After alcohol prohibition, the people who were in jail for alcohol smuggling were released by a writ of uh, clemency by the president. The president. So like yeah. an official order from the president. Right. So they, they passed the law repealing prohibition in 1934. And in the same year, he passed the law that, that or didn't pass the law, wrote the bill or whatever, wrote the, the signing statement or whatever that released the prisoners from jail. Nice. Two days ago, I read. Uh, I was reading about the the drug violence in Mexico, the cartels that are fighting it out, and something like twenty people died. It just it, people are being shot in restaurants, just on the street. There, people are being killed for uh, the the share of the business. Is that now? Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but these people are not fighting over the business in Mexico. They're fighting over 
the rights to ship and sell in the United States. Is that correct? What, what it's all corridors. It's, it's all about where they can import drugs through. Uh, so the reality is, is that every other drug that Mexico makes other than methamphetamine is they act as a middleman. The cartels buy from someone and sell to someone else. Methamphetamine they make from, from raw materials in their own country and ship it over here. And that works too. 70% of the cartel's revenue, however, grows right out of the ground. They grow marijuana, bail it up, ship it over to the, to the border, and then truck it over somehow or another. I thought we grew a lot in the United There's States. There's lots now. that grows here. I that mean, grow like a here. huge percentage of what you know is on the street. Well, the, dif- the, the differential would be this: that you can buy an ounce of marijuana that was grown somewhere in Mexico that came over bricked up in a in a bale for twenty to forty dollars U.S. and you go to California and the cheapest ounce you can find is two hundred. Sure. Twenty to forty dollars. Yes, for an but, that yeah, cheap. but what you're paying for from Mexico, yeah. you don't. You have no idea. It could be have chemicals and pesticides. It could and have just... been. And the way you get it, they <laughs> hacksaw it off the off of a brick with a hacksaw, and it comes as a solid block of stems and seeds and everything else. So it's disgusting, but it's extremely profitable for them, considering mm-hmm. that it grows out of the ground and costs them nothing to grow. Mm-hmm. So if it was legalized in the United States and it was regulated and it was grown here and became a, a a, a legitimate industry by by definition that would eliminate the need for these cartels to continue to ship to the united states right well so it's not going to eliminate it what it does is it reduces their profit by 70 percent okay Which you just took away their brand. most their, yeah their most profitable export you just took it away from them mm-hmm. everything else they act as middleman and so they can't make nearly the margins they do as, as they do off of marijuana but, I mean, what Stephanie just said, that's not right because, I mean... No, it is because there's going to be so much competition for that tiny sliver of business left that they're going to have to kill each other for it. Well, and there will be. But Weed at the style. same time, the reason they're fighting right now is over the controlling the corridors, like uh, coming in from through uh, uh, to Juarez or whatever. There's a couple of cartels fighting over the Juarez area. Mm-hmm. And then there's Laredo and Nuevo Laredo. So there's a cartel that owns that area and so on. And Tijuana, th- probably. They're just exactly. They're, each one has his own region, and they're fighting over who gets control of that region. Mm-hmm. If marijuana takes over, er, is is gone. If it's taken out of the equation, all of a sudden there's much less reason to fight. And there are definitely that's, people. That, on well, the that's what I'm saying is that there will be less reason to fight. Absolutely, eventually. But at first, for whatever margin of business is left, they're gonna have to compete. What if there's zero? Mo- that's what I'm a saying. Lot of money. I'd say your average American. <laughs> pot user mm-hmm. would much rather buy american grown regulated pure well, cannabis than like buying get a ditch weed from mexico no absolutely and that's anecdotally people hate buying mexican weed sure they just can't afford to pay two to four hundred dollars an ounce for their marijuana i mean i know plenty of people you know lower income folks who just don't have the resources to buy the high grade stuff and so yeah they don't know the provenance of their marijuana they buy it wherever they can get it mm-hmm. and that sucks because when you have medicinal users, they don't know what the what the potential properties of the marijuana they're buying mm-hmm. are. They have no way to control what it does for them. What's the uh, what's the state of things in Texas? The state of things in Texas. What's the uh, yeah? That's... Yeah. What what? How, Where does Texas in stand? comparison to the progress? The inevitable, and I say inevitable because it's just it it's it ridiculous. Is, yeah. It's going to be. It, there's going to come a time where we're going to look back on this in the same in way decade, we did prohibition. Yeah, we won't even. Uh, I'd say in, like, in course, 50 years way. nationally. 50, oh, I 50 think 10. years. 10. 50 years nationally. 10. No way. Definitely no, 10. No This less. is the thing. 50 years nationally, we'll be looking back on it and like the civil rights movement. As if, mm-hmm. why, why do we bother? Like prohibition is today. Why do we bother? Why, right. what, it doesn't harm anybody. Oh, I think that'll be in like. 20 years that we're looking back. On I hear you. Um, I mean, I think it's going to happen fast. I think well, like, I don't so disagree. many states are starting to, you know, like get the 
lesser laws. And then if California goes, it's just like every year there's going to be add-ons. Well, let me give you my, my, my theory of how this is going right now. Mm-hmm. I, I want uh, you to be more optimistic. Yeah. I, I'm very optimistic, but I think, think people in... I think people in the majority of the more conservative states mm-hmm. will not be looking back in 20 years at fondly at marijuana legalization. Yeah, but it'll be where they so were after money? forced segregation or forced integration uh, happened yeah. in the schools, oh, and they're going to be see. like those marijuana clinics. They stay in the ghetto and they stay away from everything we then, like, and all the schools and churches. And I mean, I feel like it's probably rare that people weren't around it in, at some point in their life at college or you know some people who hung out with like i don't i mean again even like that like that was you know a, a century of build-up and but marijuana. you gotta save the children and when you yeah, put it in that context all of bible belt america mm-hmm. they get to their weapons they they hew to the core they hew back to the church gotta save the children even though yeah. legalization keeps it out of the hands of children if you do a poll of, of high school kids, ask them, what drugs could you get tomorrow? You know the two they say they can't get tomorrow? Alcohol. Alcohol and tobacco. tobacco. <laughs> yeah. Because if somebody yeah. sells those to them, it's a $5,000 fine mm-hmm. and potentially a year in jail. Mm-hmm. Whereas marijuana, guess what? The guy they get marijuana from might have crack, might have coke, yeah. might have acid, methamphetamine, mm-hmm. might be able to sell them a gun. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot on the show about uh, religion as it relates to politics and as it relates to stuff like this. I was reading something really fascinating the other other day explaining sort of the fundamentalist obsession with things like marijuana. Uh, And the way they explained it to me was that any type of a substance that gives you an euphoric spiritual sort of thing, a connection to something spiritual that's not the Bible or it's not church, they're against that. Uh, and the, so that marijuana to them falls into that category. And mm-hmm. that really kind of explains their obsession with pro. Whereas you, you drink alcohol, you don't feel closer to God. You know, Some you people st- do. I, I think I'd they, say there are plenty of Irish priests who disagree <laughs> with you significantly, my friend. Sure, sure. They find God at the bottom, bottom of a bottle of Jameson every week. What do you uh-huh. think is with the, the, the religious rights obsession with uh, but is it marijuana specifically? It's just kind of all drugs, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty much, and this is what I'd say, except for alcohol, tobacco, and the religious yeah. right tends to take the the drum or the, follow the drum beat that's being beat by the rest of the nation. So if they say drugs are bad, the religious right is going to say drugs are bad. There are some churches that say alcohol is bad. The Roman Catholic Church is not one of them, right? Sure. <laughs> so ever since prohibition, these churches have, have diverged in their opinions on this topic. I think it's the same way with marijuana. I think you've got plenty of uh, of you know, uh, libertarians or not libertarians, uh, Lutherans and other more liberal uh, Christian groups who would definitely support use. I think most Jews would be absolutely on board with legalization. <laughs> and you you start to talk about different religions and you get away from Catholicism or excuse me Christianity, and there's a lot of people who would not care. Mm-hmm. For whom it's not a religious topic. It's and there just are probably that, a lot of people that identify themselves as Christians that wouldn't carry there. Absolutely, so. but most Christian churches are going to follow the the tenets of what's being set forth as being morally sound. Mm-hmm. And right now in this country, drugs are bad, right. and marijuana is a drug, capital right. D drug. Right. And they're not convinced. Well, either they're not convinced that it has a medical use, or they don't care. They and this I've heard this argument more than once. The medical use argument is a shill to get legalization done. Right. And it's not. No. I think that you should. What a doctor decides is necessary to treat you is between you and, a do- and your doctor. It's also just from That's personal it. experience. I mean, there's nothing. It just it just calms the body and mind. You know. So if you have an upset stomach or a headache or you're really stressed out, whatever it is that is causing wear and tear on your body, it 
has a great medicinal effect. And I look at my 95 and 98 year old grandparents and they would never, ever take marijuana, but they're the kind of people, I mean, they've just been slowly fading away, you know, the last 10 years, but really the last five have been mm-hmm. very difficult for them. And my grandmother is not well with it. Like she's, you know, it's just like every day, you know, just kind of waiting, doing nothing. Your body's old and you know, you're not mm-hmm. comfortable. And they're the kind of people that would so benefit from yeah, it. Their quality of have, life would improve. Their quality of life would improve because it would just make like sitting there all day, every day, a, a little bit more tolerable, you know, a little bit more physically comfortable. And I think we could great. all agree that the, the, the religious right does not care about people's quality of life in this world. They're obsessed with the afterlife. So that's why things like uh, legalization for, for medicinal purposes has no meaning to them because they don't care about ending suffering right now. That's why things like stem cell research, they don't care about the a positive effects that it would have on millions of people's as long lives as alive and breathing because it has to do with this this two-celled organism or one-celled organism that has a soul so to speak uh, and it's going to go to heaven and all this they don't care about the millions of people that would benefit and they're so obsessed with this idea of control or whatever that they don't they they miss the whole idea that there are millions of people right now who use cannabis to literally uh, diminish symptoms of cancer of hiv of glaucoma the list goes on and on as you know so just anything i mean if you were you know laid up with three broken limbs or whatever like every everything if you have a bad back if you know i mean there's pretty much it it comforts every ailment well the the bottom line cramps i I hate to i hate to generalize (laughs) but most religion serves to oppress Right. That's what it existed, existed for in the you. past and has is used for today mm-hmm. is to further oppress the people who believe in it. And that's what that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, we're going to give you the final word on this. Tell us what you uh, somebody that's either interested in finding out more information. What should they do? And uh, somebody that that's interested in, in making some progress on, on this issue. What could they they do to, to move it forward? Well, the most powerful thing any of us can do in America is lobby your representatives and senators. Uh, that Write a physical letter? Write physical letters, show up in their offices. I mean, that is the most powerful thing you do. Dress up one day. I mean, it doesn't have to be a suit and tie, but, you know, take a shower at least and put on some decent duds <laughs> and go down and sit in their office for a while. And eventually they'll get around to seeing you. And as a constituent, they have to actually entertain what you have to say. That's their job mm-hmm. is to actually listen to you, right? So I wouldn't show up looking like Jeff Lebowski from you know with a robe or something. You'd probably want to put on a tie and and, and well, look, and that's look it. I'm presentable. presentable. Yeah. Just be presentable. I'm I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now and jeans, and I've been down to a couple of representatives' offices in the same outfit. So I would consider you to be similar. presentable, though. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't look like uh, you know somebody with that that's just going to sit around and get. But in that trouble goes for and, dealing with any public official. I mean, you know, you should have put, pull yourself together. Well, and that's what we would hope is we we have a lot of members who are you know. Reason. The, the prototypical stoner and don't don't get out of the t-shirt and dirty jeans mm-hmm. ever and that's awesome that's their right as a, as a person and so on but in reality as an activist if you're going to actually influence people's minds you have to break loose of the stereotypes that goes for any issue i think you know i mean no, that's true look professional and like you mean business and absolutely awesome being cleaned up does that thank you so much dan for coming out it's been uh, a lot of really good solid information here uh, what's the website people can go to for the normal organization oh it's uh, for our organization is dfwnormal.org n-o-r-m-l that's o- correct dfwnorml.org definitely visit the site uh, and you you could they could email you from there definitely that's correct on i'm the on the main on the front page all over it i post lots of articles uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in Dallas. If you're not in Dallas the the main normal website is normlnormal.org 
uh, show up there and check out where your local chapter is and sign up. Awesome. Thanks again, Dan Brown from DFW Normal. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, Send us an email if you agree with this or disagree or just want to throw in your thoughts. And we are urbanunderachiever at yahoo.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Mm